This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome into the post-Minnesota Vikings Chicago Bears Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad at U.S. Bank Stadium, which is clearing out fully now as we speak of disappointed Minnesota Vikings fans who have watched their team fail to show up here and cost themselves a chance at the NFL postseason. Judd, let let me just let you loose. Just start wherever you want to start and just go ahead and give me all of your thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings losing 24-10, blowing an opportunity where they could have won and got into the playoffs, and instead Nick Foles will once again be in the playoffs. Well, I would start here, Collar. If fans are disappointed, then they don't get it because they should be pissed off. This season started with huge expectations, and rightfully so. You went out and signed a quarterback to, once again, an $80-plus million free agent deal because you perceived him as the final piece to the puzzle, and you did not address areas of need, but you told us, don't worry about it, we've got this, we're coming off a 13-3 and season, we're coming off a run to the NFC title game, we get it, you know, Spielman and Zim, we get it, we're going to do the right thing, we know what we're doing, you are just simply fans or media, so shut up and go away, and then... There is no other way to put it than you pee down your pants leg today. This was an embarrassment to play this game against the Bears and to... And you know what? I don't care if Trubisky played the entire game or he he played a half. And no, he did play the entire game. Chicago did not lift its starters, and that's fine. But to play like this team did today is an utter embarrassment. It embarrassed itself. And, you know, the only thing about it is, if you're objective for a second, this probably is exactly what the 2018 Vikings from top to bottom deserved. They all deserved this because they were high and mighty and told us everything was going to work out fine and that they got it and that if they didn't improve the offensive line, that was still going to be absolutely fine and they were going to bring in an OC and it was all going to work and they did nothing but embarrass themselves against the Bears today. And good for the Bears, too. Good for the Bears because the Bears showed up and kicked their butts, and the Bears proved that they are the best team in this division. And and the Vikings, I sensed post-game locker room that there was some anger, but I also sensed a lot of what happened. And that, to me, is the story of this team. They didn't have an answer throughout the course of this entire year. And, Collar, this also comes back to a very simple fact in this league. If you are not the New England Patriots, when you have a pop-up 13-3 and season, you better take advantage of that because there's no guarantee that the following year it's going to come back. And in this case, it didn't. And this is now among, if not the most disappointing seasons in Vikings franchise history. They got what they deserved, and they didn't show up, and they should be embarrassed and go home and shut up and make some changes. Okay, my turn. 
I'd like to take you back to the early spring, a purple podcast with my friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, in which we dissected every part of Kirk Cousins' game and his career and attempted to project what was going to happen this year. And my friend Eric Eager, who uh, is one of the smartest football minds that I know, a guy that legitimately NFL teams call for his advice and thoughts on things and is nice enough to come on the podcast, said, I could see this team winning only eight games. And we got emails and we got tweets and we got everything else, whatever, LinkedIn's, woofs, if you like the show The Office, that said, you are crazy. You are out of your mind. Eight games, that's, that's nuts. This Eric guy must be a complete lunatic. Yes, our friend Ben Gessling, former Purple Podcast host, overhearing me say a wolf. He's a big Office fan. Anyway, so Eric said, look, yeah, that's how this could go. Because Kirk Cousins is a quarterback with very big holes in his game. And there's a reason why Washington was a 500 team with him at quarterback. And if everything does not go right, if the offensive line doesn't play well, if the offensive coordinator isn't perfect and gets fired, if the defense isn't number one in the NFL again, you will see this team miss the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. And that is exactly what happened. And we went through it throughout the entire year where there were signs that Cousins couldn't beat the good teams or that he wasn't on the same page with receivers. And here we are, week 17, Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins screaming at each other on the sidelines. It was the same things that happened through his entire career. It was predicted by the past, and here we are missing the playoffs in one of, as you said, Judd, the most disappointing seasons of all time in Vikings history compared to early season expectations. And to me, I will quote Jay Gruden, head coach of the Washington football team, who said last year, our record was reflective of our quarterback play. That is a Jay Gruden quote after going 7-9. and nine. I will say this. 8-7-1 is reflective of the quarterback play. You paid $84 million, and as far as $28 million goes of it, you did not get your money's worth. All right. It is, but I will say, and this is, if you're a Vikings fan or you're a Vikings player, this should be the most frustrating thing. And believe it or not, it's not the quarterback play. It's this. It's all of the first guesses that we made throughout the course of the spring into the summer into training camp about what this team should or should not do. And you know what? Most of us said, all right, Cousins might not be perfect and he might not be great, but he is he is an attempt by you to upgrade there. So good for you for trying that. But what did we also say? Don't draft an SEC kicker, Rick Spielman. You've been there before. That's going to blow up in your face. Improve your offensive line. Kirk Cousins needs that. And so to me, the starting point, if I'm the Wilfs and I sit down to evaluate the 2018 season and the GM and head coach, I actually don't start at Cousins. I started all of the things that occurred to me as a football fan. And I probably asked you, is that a good move? And you very condescendingly told me, we got this because we're football people and football people know what they're doing. And we're real good football people. That's where I would start. The Cousins thing is disappointing, all right? But it was a roll of the dice that we all sort of at the time said, all right, I can see this, because because in truthfulness, none of us believed that Keenum was going to be the long-term guy, and Teddy, health-wise, was a question mark. But there were a lot of things that a lot of, I wouldn't say super savvy, but probably savvy football fans looked at and said, are you sure you're doing the right thing? And we got the old, yeah, of course we're doing the right thing because we know. That's where my frustration, if I am Ziggy or Mark Wilf, would start. 
I fully understand what you're talking about, and I don't disagree because I was the one on the Purple Podcast, and so was Courtney Cronin, and so are you talking about Will Hernandez. And here we are with Mike Remmers getting run over by a bus named Akeem Hicks again into the backfield, blowing up plays over and over again. And look, the offensive line had a very tough year. They did not play very well throughout the season. I'm sure when I go and look, Pro Football Focus will have them in the bottom five, and that's where they deserve to be. And they should have drafted Will Hernandez. I am certain of that. I get all that, and I get some of the other guesses. The kicker was a weird thing from the very beginning. Certainly so. But what I would say, Judd, is against the Buffalo Bills, your quarterback no-showed. Against the Seattle Seahawks, your quarterback no-showed. Against the New England Patriots, your quarterback no-showed. And when you needed it the most, the guy that was Mr. 4,000 yards did not come through in any way. And I don't want to let him off the hook for that by saying, yeah, they should have drafted a guard. Like other quarterbacks in this league have things go wrong. They overcome a turnover. They overcome a bad offensive line. They overcome a drop. They overcome a bad game by your defense. Other quarterbacks in the league, in the playoffs, do these things. I watched the Houston Texans score a bunch of points on Philly. And you know what Nick Foles did? Nick freaking Foles. He came back and won the game. You're allowed to do that. And this quarterback actually like it's impossible and then everyone makes these excuses for him constantly my twitter feed for 17 freaking weeks has been oh you know they should have drafted will hernandez like okay first of all that was my take but come on you cannot take the responsibility off of a player who was consistently responsible for losing and at the end of the day he throws for 132 yards a must win game and he throws he for bad. 132 yards. But the Vikings, How is that possible? Okay, okay but, but, the Vi- but the Vikings, and I'm not defending Kirk, but the Vikings also said they watched every throw that he made. And if you watched every throw that this guy made, then you know what? You are, you are acutely aware of, of the fact, and I'll go back to what I've been saying for a month now, and it's not that tough. He is paid like a top five or a top three QB. He in no way, shape, or form is. And so if you're the Vikings and you watched every throw that this guy made in Washington, then you watched those throws and you said to yourself, if logic kicked in, okay, we think he's the best thing out there. He's what we, we can get. And by the way, we have a long storied history of, aside from Teddy, having real trouble finding QBs. So we think we found one, but we need to prop him up as much as possible. We need to give him everything he possibly can. And instead, somebody along the way said, hold on a second here. If we're paying him that, that much, then we have to treat him like that. And that was, that was flaw number one to me of 2018 and so today to watch this or the buffalo game and be completely surprised is disingenuous because it's not shocking it's unfortunate but it's not shocking but this whole thing everything that this team did look a year ago and this happens in this league matthew a year ago everything for the most part went right and you have to go from year to year saying that ain't going to happen again so what can we do to give ourselves the best chance possible and they didn't this is this the story of the vikings since I've been covering this team, and it started in 2005, the story of the Vikings is to always look at a season like they had in the 13-3 and 2017 and think to themselves, okay, we'll just tweak here or there, or we'll do this, and we'll be fine. Instead of saying, we need to do everything possible to give ourselves an even better chance because things off of 2009 or off of 2017 aren't going to go as well. They didn't do it. It bit them, and you're right. No excuses for anybody. That includes Cousins. That includes Rick. That includes Mike. That includes every single person here. I just can't change my focus off of the quarterback because I truly believe, Judd, despite some of the 
errors that were made or the things that went wrong for them, including Tony Sperano passing away from the very start, the Nick Easton injury, Xavier Rhodes didn't play today, neither did Eric Hendricks. I thought both of those hurt them. Ultimately, there's a touchdown pass that maybe Xavier Rhodes doesn't allow. But every team who is in the playoffs, for the most part, we can go up and down them, has had things go wrong, and their quarterbacks have overcome it. And this quarterback simply cannot overcome anything that goes wrong. And I don't want to pin it on these other things. Judd, I think they did exactly enough to give him a playoff team to work with. I, they even fired his offensive coordinator when it wasn't going well, and still he couldn't show up today. And that's the thing. They gave him a top defense. But what did he do? Consistently gave away points to the other teams throughout the season. Yeah. The defense ends up, I guarantee you, when I look at the final rankings of the actual points given up by the defense, not pick sixes or fumbles, they will be right there among the elites. The DVOA stats that combine everything, the expected points, they give him an elite defense. That's what we always heard. Oh, in Washington, he didn't have a defense. They gave him a star running back. They gave him two of the absolute best wide receivers in the entire National Football League. Yep. They gave him a competent tight end. And I'm sorry, the tackles just didn't play that badly. They didn't play so badly where it was TJ Clemmings and Matt Khalil. I thought Reef and O'Neal, for the most part, were fine. Not today. They got smoked today, just like everybody up front. But I don't want to sit here and say, well, you should have drafted a guard, and we could have guessed that, so Kirk is off the hook in any way. Like It all leads back to you signed yourself up. You locked yourself into yep. $84 million worth of 8-8 eight and eight, or 9-7. and seven. And it's very difficult to believe. And we will spend now, I'm sure, the next eight months ripping this apart. But it is just very difficult to believe that there is any collection of things a team can do in today's NFL with a salary cap that will get this man past the first round of the playoffs or even into the playoffs. And then guess what? The Vikings are guilty of of completely making a judgment that then didn't make sense. And you're stuck for two more years with this. This is a fully guaranteed contract. This is a baseball contract. This is not a contract which you can escape from. Uh, but I just, I guess my feeling is everybody shares guilt here. And Cousins does too. But everybody, nobody gets off the hook. And this also comes back to the fact that this team, for how long now, and, and I would say that's very fair to say this, in the Rick Spielman era, this team, cannot find a quarterback they can't identify them correctly i don't know what's wrong but the only year the only years the only two years that you've had great success were brett Favre begged you basically retired as a jet to say okay i'll retire as a jet i'm done playing and then came back and signed with brad and the vikings that was pre spielman being gm so he didn't have executive authority at that time he was basically brad's assistant and then uh, case keenum turned out to be a great signing teddy Teddy looked like he'd be fine, but we have no clue. But this team continually, when it comes to solving the long-term answer at the most, arguably, most important position in all of sports, simply can't do it. And, and for that, everybody gets put on the wheel and everybody gets blamed, in my mind. Well, I think that one of the things that's probably most frustrating for Vikings fans who did watch Teddy Bridgewater take them to the playoffs and then lead a should-have-been game-winning drive against the Seattle Seahawks is that... Teddy had so much potential to grow and to get better with those basics that he had. And also, Teddy Bridgewater was everything that Kirk Cousins isn't. He was a leader that took full command of the locker room 
and made people better around him. He made the offensive line better around him. He made bad receivers around him better. He scored on a very high percentage of his drives. That is the, my barometer for a successful offense is how often do you score? And this offense, when I go back and look at the updated stats, will be in the bottom, whereas that 2015 offense, I think people are always surprised to find out, was in the top 10. They, they scored points when they had the football because they didn't throw pick sixes. They didn't fumble all the time, and they kept moving on third downs. And you saw here today a third and 17. It's a check down to Kyle Rudolph. Thanks, Sam Bradford. I mean, how often did we see that? That was a children's play call, too. And, and so I, I think what's even more frustrating for Vikings fans is not only that the quarterback this team locked itself into for the next three years does not seem to have any of the intangibles to take anyone to the next level, including an ability to make plays when there's a pass rush. Deshaun Watson is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, but he wins and makes plays. This quarterback does not. And I'm not asking him to be as special as Watson, but there, there's not even a percentage of that. I think that the shortcomings of Kirk Cousins are so easily abused in big games by good teams and one of the things that good teams do, Mike Zimmer mentioned this on Friday, good defenses, one of the things they can do when they have a lot of talent is disguise pre-snap. The, the, the Dolphins didn't do it. The Lions didn't do it because they're bad, right? They got backups playing. They don't care. What you saw today and what you saw in Soldier Field and what you saw in New England and even against the New York Jets when he didn't play very well because they, their defense was actually okay at that point is they don't show everything. They don't give him all the answers. So he has to make those decisions after the snap, yep. and he does not seem to have the capability to do that. And now here's my question, Judd. When you see what happened with Thielen, and then we get a complete bogus answer from Cousins about how great that was, that they were yelling at each other, I'm sure. Yeah, wonderful. Thielen, by the way, has shown frustration with him on multiple occasions, even going back to OTAs or minicamp, whichever one it was. My thing that i question also the it's been there all bleeping day yes, we never yeah. we never saw that with keenum and there was frustration we certainly never saw that with him and teddy bridgewater i wonder about the buy-in to him from the locker room when they see the defense play well the receivers over 100 catches for both of them put on a great performance is that locker room walking out of there today saying gosh if we had a quarterback show up in a big game at any point this year, not just today, at any point, then we are in the playoffs. I think the buy-in from the locker room right now, and especially the key players with Cousins, is incredibly small. I think it's very, very small. And Cousins, I would say this, and and listen, you've got two more years. You're going to have to get around this. You're going to have to devise something, and I don't know how. Cousins, and I'm not saying this in a complimentary way, I, w I would liken him or call him a corporate quarterback. Everything about him is corporate. I've got a brain coach. I work with guys. He's constantly telling guys on the sideline what they're doing wrong or what they sh should be doing. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of actual give and take there. It's always Kirk being Kirk first. And Kirk, I've said this for a long time. Kirk Cousins is the type of guy who, in his mind, he believes that that leadership is I'm the quarterback, I walk in the locker room, I tell you what to do, and you say, there's a guy who can really lead. That's not how it works. It works by guys saying, wow, that guy's got it. That guy has the ability to lead. So I think as the season, if there is a primary concern right now as this season comes to a conclusion to me, Matthew, it's this. I think Kirk has lost this team. And I think it's going to take a lot of work. But he has to realize that you can have as many 
um, personalized coaches as you want. You can watch. You can break down tape till the cows come home. You can tell guys up and down that they should do this or, or that. Uh, but that's not going to work. What's going to work is do you have it? But the problem is if you don't, what's the answer here? What's the answer? Are, are you going to what? Cut him? Because you got to pay him. Right. Are you going to decide that we should draft a quarterback? So, so this was this is why this is why I go back to the most important thing to me was going into 2018 was you needed to go out and get Cousins everything you possibly could to prop him up, and the Vikings didn't. The Vikings paid him and they said, "We're paying you. Go do it." He was never going to do that. And guess what? Going into 2019, it ain't going to change. It's why Washington didn't sign him long term. It's why it's why his finest moments come when he is trying to play up the they all doubted me and you see I had a big game statistically all of those things. So if something is going to change, it's going to take some work. But I think Thielen and Diggs and a lot of these guys right now know exactly who they're playing with, and that is probably an okay QB who can compile statistics. But he ain't going to walk into that room next spring and say, all right, boys, you know what? I found God, and now I get it. He's going to walk in, and it's going to be the same act. He's the guy that you work with who always has the excuse, right? Always the excuse for why he dropped the ball or screwed up. That's just Kirk. And what we're going to hear over and over again is if they just fix the offensive line, if they just fix the offensive line. But my question for you, Judd, is uh, how many teams just let great offensive linemen walk in free agency and where's the money coming from to pay? No, you, no, no. Right? I mean, so right, the, no, the Los right. Angeles Rams got very lucky with Andrew Whitworth. The Cleveland Browns signed Kevin Zeitler. Another sort of lucky break that, for whatever reason, Cincinnati didn't want to pay those two guys or couldn't keep them around, and they left. Yep. But I, I haven't gotten into any of the offseason stuff, the free agent. I didn't think I was going to have to, to be honest. I thought they were going to win this game, and uh, I thought Chicago was going to pull the starters. But my point is that the idea that you can just fix something like that, an offensive line, teams work for years to try and do it, and it doesn't always come to fruition. And my question now is, so how much more does he need? I mean, he's got two of the best receivers in the NFL. He has got one of the best running backs in the NFL. Like, How do you possibly invest enough on one side of the ball? This is the thing, Judd. If you look at the Rams, if you look at the Eagles, are a good example of this. They are not paying quarterback salaries yet. They are paying Indomitian Sue to come out and play for them. They're paying Robert Woods to sign with them or Brandon Cooks to sign with them. The Vikings do not have these options to give an Andrew Whitworth, even if the guy is out there this year, no, to just give him that much money. Your first-round pick has to go there. And then you got to hope no it works. About, there's no, there's no if, if the first-round draft pick does not go towards the best linemen available, they're absolutely crazy. I mean, it's what we told them last year. And Mike Hughes is a nice player. But then we said, okay, trade back up. They didn't do it. If your first-round pick does not go towards the best offensive lineman available, people should be fired. It's that simple. I mean, you would, you would have to be certifiably crazy to draft on the defensive side of the ball come April of 2019. Crazy. Well, we thought the same thing for this year, and they didn't. No, but I mean, this time. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. this time, if, if this time... The Wolves, I don't think, involve themselves personnel-wise a lot, but this is one where you've got to walk in and say, 
listen, you bozos, I don't care what you think you're going to do. Mike, I know you love defense, and that's all well and good, but you are drafting the best possible offensive lineman available. End of discussion. Walk out of the room, and that's it. Okay, I, to- I totally, Seriously. I totally agree. I don't know if drafting a guy fixes it. Um, just you might be right. Like but a, a quick it's fix. All you can do. All okay. you can do. A couple things from this game. I wanted to issue an apology to Mitchell Jamison Trubisky. I don't know if that's the middle name. He only threw for 163 yards, yep. and that is not an impressive total. Yep. But he had what I would like to call the Teddy Bridgewater win. He came up big in the yeah. big situations. He did not put up huge statistics, unlike his counterpart so often does. He did not put up huge stats. But Mitchell Trubisky did a wonderful job in this game. He made, of, what, three like really great throws? On, on one At drive. Least. On a dagger drive, he yeah. converted multiple third down and longs. He ran for a first down, made an excellent play, juked out Anthony Barr. He completed a high rate of his passes. He had zero turnovers on the road in this building to play that way was very impressive and he convinced me that even though I don't think he's a perfect quarterback or super accurate that he has enough of that playmaker ability to get this team deep into the playoffs the Chicago team I was very impressed by him and Jordan Howard kills this team you know why because he is a monster he is a big rumbling back who just finds a way to get an extra yard and it was fun to watch he did a great job and player of the game for Chicago might be Kyle Long. He came back. He was injured. He didn't have to come back. He could have waited until the playoffs. He came back for a tune-up game to play right guard. That opening 42-yard run goes yep. right behind Kyle Long. And the Chicago team from top to bottom, they were without Allen Robinson, one of their top receivers. Their other top receiver, Anthony Miller, got hurt. And yet they still had people step up because they've got lots of weapons. Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton had a couple of big catches. Uh, Tariq Cohen didn't do anything to help anybody, but for the most Ooh, part, bad punt returner. But, but for the most part, you're missing the they, you're missing they the main stepped guy. up. You're and missing the main well. guy, Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, agreed, agreed. Awesome, congratulations. Where are all those folks now who, who are saying he's going to pull his? He's not going to play his start. The Vikings are going to win this game. Don't worry about this game. And I said, really? You really think so? I don't think so. And and keep in mind too, Matt Nagy supposedly called whom last week? Doug Peter. Peterson, right? and he's friends with Brad Childress. The point being is he's got a lot of people probably on speed dial who hate the Vikings and don't like the Wilfs and said to themselves, you know, you know, Matt, this is Doug, and I'm going to help you out as much as I can. I just need one small thing from you. Don't pull your starters early, please. And he didn't. Matt Nagy, though, called a brilliant game. And the other thing with Trubisky, and this is where the Vikings so often have failed themselves miserably. Trubisky's not that great, but he had a very nice game. But it goes back to what I've talked about before, too, as well. The puppet string quarterback, right? The puppet string quarterback. Trubisky made some nice throws, but he also was not put in positions to fail, and he also was not relied upon consistently where he screwed up and you said, that's bad coaching, play calling, those type of things. So there were a lot of things that that guy did today, and he is a good coach, but that were smart and that he knows he's got the defense offensively though he's a very very bright guy and Trubisky I think was put in a position to consistently succeed which the home quarterback maybe was not shouldn't have needed and failed miserably one of the things that I liked on the third downs was that Nagy had answers 
and we haven't seen anyone with answers for Mike Zimmer's blitzes on third downs. But a lot of times, the interesting thing about those is a lot of times when someone blitzes, let's say they overload on the left, the natural thing for the quarterback is to go, okay, wait a minute, from the left, I need to go to that side because they're taking players away from that. But what Mike Zimmer does is he rotates over to that side. So what I noticed them doing today, and I'll be interested to look on film, but what I noticed them doing today was they went to the other side. They, they would say, you're blitzing from the left, we're actually going to go back to the right. And they had some success with that. And they had some success picking up those blitzes. And, but Trubisky, too, the guy made throws. Like yeah, there, no. there were people in his face, and he stuck he in there for a game that did not matter to them in their playoff status. It was really impressive, the focus they had throughout, their defensive focus as well. And I will say this, I go back and forth a little bit because a part of me says, well, you've slowed down Kirk Cousins twice. Bring him to your place and beat him again. But I think that any competitor, anyone who really wants to win would say, kill your division opponent right here. Put a bullet in them, demoralize them, and make them have a miserable offseason. That would have been my thing is, like, I understand there's a little potential risk here of Trubisky getting hurt or something, but but what are are the real odds? Not super high. So let's go out and make our division opponent have about the most miserable offseason that you possibly can. And I have a lot of respect for that. I have a ton of respect. And I know that if it was the Vikings, the the shoe on the other foot, I would probably be the guy that was saying. Zimmer would have done pull, exactly. Pull, no, but I but would have been saying, done it. pull your starter, hit, hit pull him your right starter. in the chin. Yep. And, and the thing that is so smart about this is if you're the Bears now, the Vikings are reeling. If the Vikings win, if you pull your starters at halftime and the Vikings come back and win, even if they don't deserve to win, the Vikings aren't reeling right now. They're going to the playoffs. They've got some confidence. Hell, they could back in, and they're still thinking to themselves, oh, you know what, but we're in the playoffs again. That's the goal. That, if the theme from the locker room, if the Vikings had backed in, would have been, hey, listen, we're still going to the playoffs. That's the goal here. We're there. And now... They took a huge punch to the jaw, and they are backed up, reeling, wondering. And if I'm the Bears, I am absolutely delighted. The Packers are a complete mess right now. The Vikings had huge expectations, and I wouldn't call them a mess, but they're not in great shape. And if you're the Bears now, you are division champion, and you also basically flustered and or flummoxed the two toughest teams besides you, and then Detroit is just Detroit. And let's think about this, too. If you're the Bears, what you just did— by beating the Vikings here in such embarrassing fashion, you just put Mike Zimmer on the hot seat. You just put Rick Spielman on the hot seat. Yep. Assuming that the, neither is gone, which I don't think they will be. But you just put their management under the gun for an entire offseason. Think about the pressure now. If they make the playoffs, you're totally right. If they make the playoffs, go to Soldier Field and lose, they would come back and say, look, we're going to fix a few things, our offensive line. We're going to come back with a real offensive coordinator. It was John Filippo's fault. It wasn't Kirk's fault. We went to the playoffs. No big deal. That was our goal. On and on and on and on. That's what you play for. Kirk had some long explanation about a few weeks ago about how, well, you know, you start playing and practicing in May to make the playoffs. That's the, the goal, same thing right? Post game today, I thought. I know, too. I know. I mean, so, he rambled. But the point is just that yeah. not only do you punch them in the face. 
and put them down for the whole offseason, but you also put so much pressure on their management as well. I think that there's value in doing that and also value in winning this type of game to go then now into the playoffs. And I don't know what will happen with the Chicago team, but the two times we saw them, they are extremely impressive, and I respect the decision that Matt Nagy made to be aggressive and beat this Vikings team. And, and I think in terms of your locker room, if you're Matt Nagy, you go into that locker room and say, you guys want to win this thing? All right, let's go. Yeah, exactly. We signed up to play 17 games, not yes. 16 and a half. Let's yes. go. And this whole, whole thing of, well, they don't want to play the Eagles because it's Nick Foles and he might get hot. And that's all garbage. I mean, that's all fan speak. That's not how teams think. Teams don't think, well, if we purposely lose to the Vikings here, we can do this. That's not how teams think. Teams think we don't care. And, and Nagy has gone in there and done what? thrown haymakers all year right mm-hmm. so why stop now yep so so here's my question for you then zimmer and spielman both have a year left on their contracts after this ordinarily head coaches for sure get extended like you don't see i, I think i covered uh, tyson 2005 on, on the last year of his contract but that's not the norm how hot do you think the seats are and and starting tomorrow as the Wolves sit down to evaluate what do you think the approach is now i think if i were to guess i would suspect there are one-year extensions for both and what that says to them is if you don't win in 2019 this run is over and that could be very very interesting to watch because you're talking about sort of almost like a semi-lame duck coach but they don't want people to be saying last year of his contract. Correct. So it's almost worth it to give them extensions for one year to have it not be the last year of their contract. Now, Zimmer is a really interesting conversation, and it's a whole podcast in, in itself. But where I sympathize with Mike Zimmer is in this place. He is a defensive head coach here to build a team that won with defense. That is why they hired him, and it has worked. They've won a hell of a lot of games and made an NFC championship with defensive-minded teams. His defense did their job. And today, I, I, I was impressed with Trubisky, but the defense kept them in the game. 13 points. I mean, my gosh. Like, you expect your team to score enough when you only allow 13 points through, what, three quarters? Mm-hmm. And yet they and yet they couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. So where I sympathize with him is on his side of the ball, they were good. I thought he navigated the roller coaster things pretty well and made the right move on DeFilippo at the right time. That is not to say in any way, shape, or form that he had a good year or was perfect, but I look at the reason they're not in the playoffs is because they couldn't put up seven points against the Seattle Seahawks or 13 points against New England. That they, they were late in games that they should have won where their defense showed up and they didn't get anything out of their quarterback. And I, Zimmer deserves to be on the hot seat. When you sign Cousins, you push all the chips to the middle of the table. So I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm saying that I bet Jay Gruden, if they know each other at all, would send Zimmer a text and they say, do. that's it. Right? You just Mike, got, Mike was the DC for uh, the Bengals when Jay right. Gruden was the OC I for Cincinnati. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some text that said, that's Kirk. I think Zimmer realized a long time ago, that, though, that Kirk was probably yep. not the greatest choice because he doesn't like QBs. Um, the, where I would blame him, though, where I don't feel sorry for Mike is this. It's almost as if he sees offense as a necessary evil to the success of his football team, and he's head coach here. And, and I think what we've learned in retrospect was the one time that things went well, Shermer was essentially assistant head coach, 
offense, okay? Yep, yep. Not, not just OC. And so I, I feel like Mike tries to say, well, I did my job and my defense is good and his defense is good. And listen, he is, he's going to go down, I think, as one of the greatest coaches when it comes to cornerback play and defensive back play in the history of this league. It is unbelievable. You take Holton Hill, who you don't even draft, and turn him into a starter, and he's pretty damn good. That's impressive. Uh, but as far as overseeing the entire program, and as far as taking responsibility and, and not just saying, well, run more. I, we should run more. I mean, that's a high school coach. You got, you've got to take responsibility. This is, this is your team. If it's not, then you are an outstanding, and he is, defensive coordinator. Uh, his biggest problem is this. He didn't get hired by a GM who has the ability to properly evaluate and find quarterbacks. And that's where Rick, that's where if you are looking to pick at Rick, that's my biggest thing. Rick Spielman, I don't think, Matthew, has a clue when it comes to this position because you look at his draft picks, ponder, his signing of Cousins, Keenum, he clearly just got lucky on. But if you go through, for the most part, what Rick Spielman has considered to be his QBs, and Teddy, I contend, was not his. Teddy was, Norv Turner said, the kid had a bad pro day. I'm going to Miami to watch him again and watch him throw. And Norv came back and said, no, he's got something here. But if you look at the quarterbacks that Rick Spielman has tried to cultivate and find and develop for this team in the time that he's been GM, which started after the, uh, after the disastrous 3-13 and year of, I believe, 2011, for the most part, he has had zero success. And Mike Zimmer needs to be a head coach of a team that can find a quarterback. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is at the NFL Combine, and I say this as I watched Andrew Luck just make a beautiful pass, and he's probably going to get his team into the playoffs because that's what good quarterbacks do is they step up in a game like this and get your team into the playoffs. I will say this where I sympathize again is the options available when your franchise quarterback blows his knee yep. out are not much, yep. and the trade did not work out at all for them. For, for Bradford, and they lost the first-round pick because of it. But I think we all agreed it needed to happen at that time. And I think with this quarterback, with Kirk Cousins, there's the two conversations. There's the conversation of what did they lock themselves into, which is probably nine and seven type seasons, and also what else were they supposed to do. Now, I, I talked about this right after the draft, about the other option would have been bring back Keenum, assume that you're not a Super Bowl team, Draft Lamar Jackson, who is going to the playoffs, by the way. Congratulations, Lamar Jackson. Purple podcast favorite. That would have been another option. But if you compare the two, and you've got to sell it to your owners and everybody up the ladder and the whole organization, if you had said, you know what, we know Case isn't that good, we're bringing him back, we might draft a kid, I mean, are they really buying into that? Or are they buying much more into, this is a 4,000-yard quarterback, he's proven we can get the most out of him. So I understand, even though you and I had our questions about that move and who Kirk Cousins was and and what his career said about him and that the amount of money, it's really not... It's, a, it's really not as much about him as it is the money that takes up big space where you can't afford a great offensive lineman in free agency. But what were the other options? Were they supposed to get Tyrod Taylor? He got benched like three games yep. in. I mean, right? So And at the time, you know what? I said good signing. Personally, I said I think it's fine I, because we talked about this uh, countless times during the course of the 2017 season, the amount of times that we discussed Case Keenum. 
and we both agreed it ain't going to be 2018 is not going to be a repeat of the previous year. Something things are are going to go wrong. He will regress. And from what we've seen in Denver, we were right about that. But nonetheless, just as far as going back to the conversation about the, the head coach of this team, he needs a quarterback who's going to operate efficiently. He needs an OC. He is never I don't think at his age he's ever going to turn a corner where he comes in and says, "You know what? I oversee this entire team and therefore I'm going to be really involved in the offense." I think he's always going to say, "My bread and butter and I was hired to coach defense and that's what I'm going to continue to do, make the offense work." And so perhaps the only answer during the course of the uh, spring and summer now is going to be to go out and find an OC who's just absolutely fantastic and pay that guy 3 million dollars or something stupid. Because I don't think, I don't, just as Cousins is not going to change, I don't think it's realistic to think that Mike Zimmer is going to change. You know, what's interesting about that is you put a quarterback and a system in to throw the ball all the time, which they did all season long and, and needed to do in this game. You didn't invest much in the offensive line aside from Reef and Remmers, and then, of course, you move Remmers astonishingly over to right guard to, to stick him there and keep him there, which I still think was a very wrong move and Remmers was a solid guard or a solid tackle and they should have kept him there. And that's been what should have happened for sure. But if you wanted to be the identity to build around Delvin cook, I mean, we look at Seattle and how they revamped their offensive line and they handed off. They've got a very good running back in Carson. They drafted another running back in penny. And you look at Baltimore and how they've run the ball since Lamar Jackson's taken over. I'm not saying you can win the Super Bowl that way, but you could certainly be in the playoffs that way if you have this defense. It seemed like a team that wanted a certain identity that they won with in 2017, mostly running the ball and then having Keenum hit on a few plays, completely went against that identity with Kirk Cousins and then never found it throughout this whole season. I mean, fire the offensive coordinator, yell at the offensive coordinator in post-game press conferences, whatever it might be. In front of the team, too. They never found their identity that Mike Zimmer wanted. And you know what's funny about that is on the defensive side, down to the height of players at certain positions, it's all Mike Zimmer's design. Rick Spielman told me that two years ago, that Tom Johnson or or take a Trey Wayans or Xavier Rhodes or Holton Hill, they are down to the letter of Mike Zimmer's demands. But on the offensive side, it, you didn't get an offensive line that he wanted. You didn't. You got the running back, but you didn't get the quarterback that that fit him. Yep. And and that's what's that's what's very interesting to me about this team is it always felt even in training camp like it was square peg round hole, and it turned out to be exactly that. But the head coach has to be involved then, right? That's the problem here. Listen, all you have to know about how the Vikings in 2018 ran their operation was this. At approximately the same time that Cousins signed here. Now, this is a huge three years guaranteed contract, unheard of for the most part in this league. A huge, huge deal. What was Mike Zimmer's focus on? Signing Sheldon Richardson. Basically going to Rick and I'm sure saying, okay, we signed the quarterback. Now get me more defensive help. The first round of the draft, Mike Hughes. Might be a very nice player. Got hurt too bad, but same type of thing. And so if you look at how this team is run, is orchestrated, what you have is it almost seems like a GM and coordinator in charge of offense and a head coach 
who instead of in involving himself in both sides of the operation, he is in charge of defense down to the fact that he calls plays. He's calling defensive plays still. He has the – you know what? Wouldn't you think – after what now? Is this year four or five? After that much time that he would have enough faith in his defensive coordinator to basically say, you know what? I want to flip back and forth and chime in on offense too. And therefore, I'm going to give you the responsibility because, George, you know my scheme inside out. I'm going to give you the responsibility of calling defensive plays. And once in a while, I might chime in. But this is going to be your baby. But instead, Edwards sort of remains this assistant defensive guy who supposedly coordinates the defense, but we all know that's malarkey, that's BS, and we don't have that change of where Mike can flip back and forth and say, if the offense is struggling, I've got ideas. His idea, basically, throughout the course of 2018, has been very, very simple. Run the ball more. Just run the ball more. Come on, run the ball more. Think about that for a second. That's not how a successful head coach in the NFL in this current day and age ordinarily operates. Well, can I ask you one more question? Sure, yeah. Okay, from your film breakdown, give me your give me your feelings about what happened with Cousins. Kirk Cousins that we saw early on, that Rams game. I'm not saying this guy was perfect, but he had some really decent stats, some decent games, and I didn't feel it was all padding stats. I felt that there were times where you looked and said, okay, that was, you know what, it might not be as good as you wanted, but there is some, there is there there. Uh, by the time we got here today, there was no there there anymore. Let me uh, give you a Kirk Cousins answer and say it was a combination of things. Uh, for one, there was some fool's gold. A lot of people put up a lot of numbers on the Rams, and most of that game was played from behind by two scores. They were down 11 points most of that game. Philly then. Like okay, there were some okay, games well, here where Philly, there were some yeah, well, okay I mean, things. But, but Philly was a beat-up team at that time who probably should have won the game but fumbled at the goal line and fumbled into Linval Joseph's arms and ran for a touchdown. I mean, you could point out even, even the good games that they had where there were signs that this wasn't really working that well. I mean, even from day one against the San Francisco 49ers, he goes 0-7 in the fourth quarter, leaves the door open, but Harrison Smith bails him out with an interception. Sheldon Richardson bails him out by just being fantastic. And then it turns out the 49ers' win is really not good anyway since they weren't a great team. And I think that those signs were there. Three quarters against the Packers, they put up seven points. That Packers defense turned out to be not so good. So even early on, it felt like, okay, the offense is rolling pretty good, and they just need to get a few things shored up. But there were the signs that were there. And what I, what I do think is when it came to this game in particular, the Bears knew everything they needed to do. They knew that if you took away some of those rollouts, took away some of those play actions, that he wasn't going to be able to operate. And, and it's very similar to Case Keenum in a lot of ways. I, I may have mentioned this before, Judd, but I wrote an article about the statistically most similar quarterbacks to Case Keenum and what he did last year. That doesn't mean yards and touchdowns. That means where he gets his yards, how he gets his yards, play action, intermediate throws off play action, things like that. They were pretty similar throughout their careers that you really needed to put the guy in a cocoon to make it work. And when it gets to big games, when it gets to tough defenses, there is no painting over it. And that's why when you get to the playoffs, you see great quarterbacks there. Almost all the time, who's winning the Super Bowl, who's in the Super Bowl, it's great quarterbacks. And every once in a while, 
Nick Foles or Trent Dilfer or somebody, although Foles, he might just be good. I don't know. But like, but right, like that's who you see there for a reason because they're they can adapt, they can make plays off schedule. You saw it today a couple of those rollouts, they didn't work because the Bears were there for it, they were ready for it, and and so part of that is them having a great defensive line. But I think throughout the year there were things that worked extremely well for them, but also teams knew how to take it away, and they know his biggest shortcoming is he can't read the play after he takes the snap. If you're not showing him what's there, and that's why at the end of games, when they're down 22-6 to like they were in Soldier Field, oh, they go for a touchdown drive because the defense is now sitting back and showing you everything. It reminds me a lot of Sam Bradford, who would just check down all the time. If, he, if he, what he didn't see was there, oh, just check down. Doesn't matter if it's third and 10. Check down for four yards. There's a lot of that in Kirk Cousins, and there's a lot of 2016 in this season, by the way. The land, my good man, of misfit contracts. Here we Wiggins, are. Parisi, Suter, and Cousins. <laughs> and you guys thought Maurer was a problem. Hey, was was Wiggins okay with the uh, Vikings fans being upset and booing a little bit today? He uh, he thought they were crappy this time. Uh, yeah. He pulled back a little bit from his previous stance. Well, let me say this. Um, as we have come to another end of a season, my third, it is, I know, I'm sure, a source of some frustration of Purple Podcast listeners to hear us be critical of the team for 47 straight minutes after this loss. But let me say this. The people who listen, who interact with us on Twitter, who send me emails, you could disagree with me, you can agree with me. I love it. We have a great time. Sage Rosenfels will stay with us through the draft. He was amazing this year, breaking things down. I appreciate him so much. Courtney Cronin, the same thing. Just a great job on our Purple Live shows. Judd after games, no matter where I was on the road and things like that, getting it set up. So everyone who listens and interacts with the podcast, you guys are awesome. And we are going nowhere because it will be a full off season of offensive linemen, new weapons, contracts, restructures, hot seats, and we'll be looking at the playoffs too and other teams around the league and, and diving into you mean the good teams? To, to, yes, and diving into different stories we could come up with and everything like that. So thank you very much for listening to the Purple Podcast and stick with us. It'll, it'll ultimately end up being a pretty fun offseason. So we will talk to you always, I guess. Yeah, we'll be Purple back. Podcast. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.